Welcome! You are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney-turned-alchemist and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. This show was created for courageous souls willing to step out of their comfort zone and design a new way of life. You'll gain inspired midlife wisdom from those who have done it as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Welcome to Magnetic Monday with Dawn, where we attract what we want and repel what we don't. And today I am going to talk about a favorite topic of mine, which is overcoming fear. We're in the the theme this month, letting go and making space, kind of making room for what we want to come into our lives. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity to really pull back the curtain and kind of talk about a little bit about what I've been kind of dealing with as I face my fears and uh, get out there into the world in a bigger way, which is happening uh, really fast, actually faster than I thought. For those of you that that have been following my posts and whatnot, I had an amazing conference call with my publisher last week where he informed me that uh, they're thrilled with the popularity of my book. There are, I think he said 82 or 84 independent booksellers that have my book on back order for the upcoming March 29th launch. And then at that time, actually, it was at number 16 on the Amazon bestseller list for business travel reference books. Well, since that time, it has shot up to number one where um, it has been staying thanks to people going on and pre-ordering it and folks are sharing reviews. And I'm just thrilled and humbled that people are really taking to this. I, I thought it would be popular, but you just never know until you get get stuff out into the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those of you out there who have submitted reviews and placed pre-orders and are supporting me in this effort. I really, really appreciate it. So the topic tonight is stepping up and stepping out, how to take that leap of faith, which can be so daunting and so uh, difficult to do sometimes. And as I get into the talk today, I I just want to ask you the question, have you ever been frozen by fear? And go ahead and and, uh, drop a comment if if you can relate to that uh, feeling of just like being paralyzed. And I, as I was writing this, I kind of had almost a mini flashback to uh, being a young girl, I was pretty young. I, I don't remember how I how old I was, but I know I was pretty young. I was definitely younger than 10 years old. And I had been taking swimming lessons at the local uh, pool. It was a big in, indoor pool. I don't remember what time of year it was, but, you know, in Minnesota, our summer is very short. So I do remember taking summer um, lessons in the summertime in a lake. But this particular time, it might have even been like my first entree into swimming lessons. But I, uh, it was at the end of the class and I enjoyed the swimming lessons. And in fact, I did learn how to swim. But on the last day of the lessons, 
the instructor took us over to the deep end of the pool and asked us to jump in, not dive because, you know, we were little, we didn't learn how to do that, right? It was just basically jump in and then swim to the edge of the pool. Didn't sound like that big of a deal, right? Doesn't sound like that big of a deal as I talk about it today, but I remember I was petrified, even though I knew how to swim. I just stood there staring into the deep blue water, right? Because the water's a darker blue at the deep end than it is at the show end. And I don't know if it was the, the dark water, the darker water that scared me. I wanted to do it, but I just stood there frozen. And eventually I started to cry and I wasn't able to jump in. And even today, I don't even think I, I've ever even shared this with my husband, but even today, jumping into deep water isn't that much fun for me. Although I can swim, I'd much rather wade in gradually from the shore. But I'm just curious if, if uh, as I've shared the story with you, if you guys ever had an experience like that, um, go ahead and, and drop a comment and, and share it with us in the chat if you feel like it. Because at times, I think, although we're really capable of doing something, we don't. We can't sometimes because we just become immobilized by fear. Why is that? And it goes back to the fact that fear is a survival emotion, right? And what happens in our bodies as a result is definitely a physical response. But what happens mentally and emotionally is really often a, a revision back to survival energy patterns that are also known as archetypes. And if you're not familiar with archetypes, it has its origin in, in ancient Greece. And the it's a combination of two words, archon, which means original, and typos, which means pattern um, and or model or type. So if you combine those two words, what they mean is an original pattern. So as I was uh, thinking about that, I, I kind of go back to the analogy I use about a computer, a hardware and software, and then, you know, the keyboard being what controls it. So if you use kind of that same computer analogy, think of the archetypes as sort of the basic software installation that takes place uh, when we're born, really. And then the uh, sort of custom programming that takes place with these archetypes comes from our experiences, our lived experiences, takes this sort of basic software installation and then customizes them so that we, none of us have the same uh, experience with these archetypes. We're, we're all just slightly different. But like a coin, each one of the archetypes has two sides. There's a, a lightness and a darkness or shadow. And if you look at this, this concept of archetypes, this is really old stuff. This is the, some of that ancient knowledge that I talk about. And so you can trace it actually back to Plato in, in ancient Greece. And then more recently, Carl Jung said that 
archetypes actually originated at the dawn of human history. Much has been written about them, really volumes of material have been written through the ages. And most of it has been discovered through myths and folk tales from many cultures around the world. I mean, I've studied uh, ethnologists as a, a anthropology major. I've, I've read books by uh, ethnologists who've gone into multiple different cultures and sort of studied like the stories that are told in communities because that's how people passed on information, right? Before there was the written word or books, it was oral history, it was sitting around the campfire, right? Telling tales. And that, and it was lessons, right? Jesus used parables, right? In the, from the Bible, he used story to teach. And that's really where these archetypes come from is, is recognizing these same sorts of patterns throughout multiple cultures, really all around the globe. So these patterns are ancient, they're universal, and another way to look at them is they're the lens, they're a lens that we see the world through. And there are sort of commonly thought of as four survival archetypes, and they are the child, the victim, the prostitute, and the saboteur. Now I'm not gonna go into all of them today, but I am going to discuss one of them, and maybe once a quarter I'll, I'll dive deeper into, I was just thinking about that, the next quarter, uh, the topic is really going to be wealth, and maybe we'll dive into the prostitute, right? That's about what are you, what are you uh, willing to sacrifice for money? And like I said, it's, it's not a, a bad thing. It sounds like, oh, prostitute, that's a bad thing, but, but really we all sell ourselves, right, to some degree in the material world. So there are, are light sides to it, just as dark for all of the four archetypes. But these archetypes really impact our fears, our vulnerabilities, the issues that come up in our lives. And they impact also how we use our personal power and, they and how we relate to the material world how we make choices in our life, how we interface with authority. And they're even part of our intuition that, of course, keeps us safe if we, if we listen to it. So today, the one I want to focus on is the saboteur. And again, although it may sound negative, right? Saboteur, oh, they sabotage, right? It's not really good or bad. It's really a neutral archetype. And it can appear anytime there's any sort of disruption in life. So think change, right? Whenever there's change. But it really serves as a mirror. It shows us our fear of being held accountable for ourselves or taking resp responsibility for ourselves and for what we create. And the saboteur's job really is really to protect us. So, you know, it's not a bad thing. But in particular, it when it acts as a mirror, it reflects back our own fears about what it means to survive in the physical world. Fears about finding the right job, the ability to pay our bills, how we fit into society, finding the mate of your dreams, like I talked about last week. The archetypes, issues, and fears are really connected to low self-esteem. Like with just, you know, the lack of, of self-worth. So I want to ask you, have you ever set new plans in motion 
only to have your fears undermine them. Or maybe started a new relationship and then destroy it because you imagine some sort of painful outcome and rather than wait for that you know, vision, that, that imaginary outcome to come, you just nip it in the bud before it gets started. That, that can happen. Or maybe you have befriended somebody that you don't fully trust and then there's sort of a downward spiral that happens based on fears about what they might do based on, you know, past history perhaps, or just sort of, like I said, that, that um, lack of, of self-esteem. The saboteur may subconsciously conspire to conjure up scenarios in your mind that result in emotional pain if you get too close to people. You know, some people get sort of standoffish. I don't want people to be too close to me because then I might get hurt. Um, it can cause you to stop trusting your inner wisdom when really what you need to do is just silence the saboteur. So in my case, I've really struggled with overcoming a fear of being known publicly. I've had a lot of success in my career and, and that's okay. I haven't really uh, struggled with that, but um, moving past it now was, was vital to be able to really go all in on promoting my book launch and, and feeling good about being an author. And I've had to really work hard to determine where is this coming from? I don't, I don't even know why this is happening. Like, why do I even have this fear? And it was kind of funny. I was just looking back at, at some of the, the reference material that I have on this. And it was talking about how, a lot of times we don't know this and that's why in Buddhism they say it takes several lifetimes to resolve some of these, these the origin of these fears that we have. Well, I don't have that long. Well, maybe I do. But uh, anyway, I just um, thought about when sort of did this come up for me? And, and I guess the, the first time I ever felt it was when we were with our first network marketing company and we had success. We were, you know, kind of hit the top pay plan in the company, but we were really good friends and actually business partners with one of the top three earners in the entire company. And we hung out with them a lot. And so we got to see what their lifestyle was like. And in particular, when we would go to company events, conventions and, and things like that, like they would get mobbed. I remember Tom walking um, down a hallway from, from like the main room where they had the convention to a, a ballroom where we were having a, a smaller meeting. My friend Mark uh, uh, saying, walk with me, Tom. And he held the phone up to his ear the entire distance from the big event to the smaller room because if he didn't, there were so many people that would be, you know, grabbing him for his attention to ask questions or get their picture taken or, or things like that, just always wanting a piece of him, right? It was, you know, I, I like sucking the energy, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Hocus Pocus, there's a scene in there where the witches are like sucking the life out of the little kids. And, and I kind of like imagine that. And, and so it, it was scary to me. We'll be back in a moment. 
Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit CastelitoCaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starving for adventure and new experiences? Ready to lower your living costs and upgrade your quality of life? Do you long for the freedom to live anywhere with the economic satisfaction of earning in paradise? Imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? You can live a happier, healthier, and more joyful life. Don't know where to start? Then grab our free paradise checklist to begin dreaming again and start defining your paradise. It's waiting for you at paradisechecklist.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. And then with our second company, like they had even more success than the first company, and we were successful, but we still were not in the very tip-top of that that pay plan. And I was perfectly fine with that. And I can't help but wonder if maybe the reason that we didn't get to that next level in the company was sort of that fear holding us back. Like we were doing fine where we were like, why go up that one more rung of the ladder? If your life isn't going to be your own, if your phone's going to ring off the hook, if you're going to be um, not able to go to the after party and enjoy yourself, you're going to be standing there for four or five hours, you know, getting pictures taken and things like that. And that's what our friends were doing. And I remember the look on uh, her face, on, on uh, our, my friend's face, like, help me, rescue me. I, I feel like the life has been sucked out of me. And so I, I that's like the first time that I really recognized that fear. And I said, ooh, I don't think like celebrities and you hear stories of, of them, you know, getting to be very famous very fast and then really not being able to handle that attention and, and being under a microscope and all of that. I don't know if that's um, that's a part of it or whatever, but what I do know is in part, it's primal. These fears go to the very heart of our survival drive in the physical world. And survival as humans, as a tribal species, is dependent upon our acceptance by the tribe. So rejection by the tribe equates to death due to loss of protection and shelter, right? 
think back to the cave days, right? You've got your little community, everybody's getting along. If you get rejected by the tribe, like you're out there with wild animals and, and no heat and no food and, and like you're going to die probably in that environment. So this, while we're not in that extreme of, of, uh, of environment in this day and age, right? The modern era societal rejection, you know, the talk about getting canceled. Oh my gosh, canceled. This is horrible. It really triggers our limbic or reptilian brain because it is so primal, these fears that we have. And what's interesting is it's the foundational reason why most people don't like sales. You get no's. Any salespeople out there? I mean, Drop a comment. Let me know. You know, you've got to get over re rejection, the fear of being rejected, because if you're in sales, not everybody is going to say yes to you. You're going to get no's. And so that's why most people don't like sales. They're, your brain simply can't handle it. Our wiring, the way our, we're hardwired, those, those fears that we have. And so what... What can we do about that? How can we work with this Sabotar archetype that we all have? Like I said, it's it's sort of the, the basic software. And then depending on what's happened to you in your life, particularly your childhood, I talk about this in Claim Your Dream Life, where most of our, our software, our programming, our, our um, environmental programming is in place by the time we hit age 12. So depending on what was installed, that that personal experience on top of that basic saboteur hardware is going to determine how much or how little this is, these fears are going to impact you as you try to make changes and, and disrupt the current environment that you're living in and want to create something new. So um, I'm going to just kind of run through a couple of questions here and have you think about for a moment, which fears have the most power over you? So first of all, what's the result when fear overtakes you? For me, I froze right at the end, edge of that swimming pool, pool. So it was paralysis. So what happens to you? Do you withdraw? I mean, think about what what is the result that happens when when you are overtaken by fear. A lot of times, just people people are, do freeze. Do you allow other people to speak for you? So sometimes people um, become a little bit passive, right? And they're like, "Oh, I don't want to make a move." Um, I.e., if I don't make a move, I make a mistake. I won't make a mistake. But in not making a move or not making a, mis a decision, right? You are making a default decision. So it but that can happen. You think, well, I if I if I don't if I don't do anything, then I'll be safe, right? So that might include allowing others to speak for you. Do you ever agree to do or maybe you don't do things out of fear that you otherwise would it would not agree to do so so maybe that that happens sometimes with volunteering people volunteer too much and then i was i worked with a lovely um young lady single mom who was a girl scout leader and she was always volunteering and but she wanted to make money and she didn't ever allow enough time to create an income stream 
because she had all of these volunteer efforts that she was that were important to her and brought her joy but but her primal goal primary goal was to create some extra income because they were really struggling financially and, and she couldn't prioritize that time over all of these other uh, volunteer activities that she was doing so that's kind of an example where you know saying no really could benefit you in a way that you know nothing wrong with volunteering for sure but as they say on the airplane right put your oxygen mask on first and you can help a lot more people if you can help yourself first and uh who is it uh, i think it was Zig Ziglar said the best way to help poor people is not to not be one of them right you want to be in a place where you're taking care of yourself and your family and in your primary needs so maybe that's it or you just don't do things out of fear, right? That that back to that paralysis. So, have you ever let opportunities pass you by? They could be personal, they could be business, maybe socially because you were not feeling like, you know, maybe I don't belong there or I'm not good enough or I'm I I am not confident enough in my social skills and I don't want to mess up. There could be opportunities. It could be business opportunities. And, you know, like I said, I could easily have said, "Oh, okay, maybe I'll write this book, but I'm I'm not going to promote it." A lot of people do that. I'm I'm learning that as I am getting deeper into this um, world of of book publishing and promoting and and all that. And there's an awful lot. In fact, the vast majority of our authors write a book, but then they won't do the promotion of it, and and they wonder why their book isn't a success or doesn't sell because they haven't done the work actually starts after the book is published and that's the promotional side of it again it's sales right and so if i don't promote my book then i won't be rejected and so kind of getting over that whole dynamic as an author um i had the benefit of being in sales and marketing so i kind of went through that i i cut my teeth on that many many years ago um back you know really in in minnesota in my college days and so i kind of got through that and but if you haven't done that that can be something that holds you back and then the final question is how aware are you in the moment when it's happening that you are sabotaging yourself or your future something something that you want so the end result here is I'm not completely over my fear of being known, but I have been able to contain the potential damage that fear could cause by this way. And this is really probably the most important thing that I'm gonna, gonna end on. And that is I've been able to overcome it by focusing on my readers, on the people that I'm serving rather than myself. And as I've gone through this journey over the past year in finishing the book and getting it published and, and deciding what's going to go in there and really um, exposing myself in a big way. My, my book has a lot of our stories and our personal struggles, business struggles, and I really felt I needed to do that uh, in order to, to teach, in order to, to be able to 
show us as an example that, hey, it's, <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, you're never an overnight success. Like there's always a story behind the story. And we've, Tom's had personal struggles. I've had personal struggles. We've had, you know, struggles together as a couple. And it's, all, all of those are so important to the process. But it's a big deal. Even my mom said, wow, you really shared a lot in that book. And I really felt like I had to, if I was going to do what I had to do that, I had to get over that fear of rejection, being rejected because of uh, my views on certain things. I, I share my philosophies in there, but it's not about me. It's really focusing on what other people need, how I can help them overcome what they need to overcome in order to live their best life. And it's not really about me or my ego or my fears or keeping myself safe. Because at the end of the day, ultimately what I've decided is my mission in life is to help others. And that's way bigger than my fear of rejection, public ridicule, or demands that may come my way. And the focus on helping others really allows me to do what I might not otherwise be willing to do. And this is, again, something that we learned in network marketing. What we learned is to when people were starting to build their businesses, we really started with why. And there's a great book on that topic, right? Start with why. I'll share that in the comments. Getting in touch with you, the reason you're doing something will often push us past these fears that pop up that are really primal and, and, you know, can really pop up at any moment when we least expect them. But we saw that when people would get out of their comfort zone in sales, right, asking people to take a look at whatever it was you're selling and fearing rejection, people are going to say no. And, and we'd really have to work with them and say, you know, no doesn't mean no, it just means not now. The timing's right now not right, you know, particularly with the legal services company, I knew it wasn't a matter of if they were going to need what I was selling, it was when and that helped me understand that no was really not no, it was not now. And, but what we saw in our two decades in the industry was just remarkable. People would do things, they would get out of their comfort zone for others in a way that they wouldn't do it for themselves. People working really hard to, um, buy their mom a car or a house or retire a spouse or allow a spouse to quit a second job that they were working and didn't allow for family time they would they wouldn't care they would they would check their fears at the door and go do what they needed to do to be successful because they wanted to do it for someone else. And I think that's really a big key. If you can find a reason that's bigger than you to do something. So as you focus on creating your dream life in paradise, focus on what does that mean really that is going to, what is that going to allow you to do that serves and that's really what has helped me dive into the pool, right? And face that fear and not get frozen, not say, not cry and say, I don't want to jump. But instead to say, okay, I know how to swim. 
and I know I can get to the edge of the pool and I know what it's going to feel like when I get there. And in this case, I know how many lives are going to be touched because of the encouragement and the permission to live their best, best life. So that's what I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this talk. I uh, love hearing your comments and feedback and I will see you in the group. Take care, everybody. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit paradisechecklist.com and download our free Paradise Checklist to start your journey. We'd also love for you to become part of our Claim Your Dream Life community. Thank you for listening.